following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. Well, good morning. And uh, I'm quite honored, and honestly, I was a little surprised when Pastor Jonathan, he threw around this idea of having me come up here and give the sermon. Because this, not, not really in my comfort zone, more being in a UPS truck delivering all my packages, that's... <laughs> That's more my comfort zone. But, um, you know, here I am, and my family and I, we've been so grateful for the people in this church. You have honestly loved and prayed for my family, and you've been so kind to us. And we're honestly so proud to call you all our church family. And I know that I could mess up here, I could fall down, and you would still would come to me and say, no, you know, no one noticed when you fell down. You know? <laughs> It's, it's fine, Aaron. No one noticed when you were super nervous up there. It's fine. You did great. Um, but I appreciate that, and that's honestly the biggest reason why I decided to come up here today. Um, so now I'd like to tell you about an interesting question that I asked myself about 10 years ago. So I decided to train for this marathon. I mean, I did everything that I possibly could to, uh, to get ready for this race. I bought the right shoes. I invested into a training program. I'd, I'd wake up early in the morning and make sure that I got my run in before work. If, if Runner's World magazine told me to do it, I did it. I mean, for five months, I trained super hard for this thing. So the day came, I put my toe on that line, <clears throat> heard that gunshot, and away I went for 26.2 miles. First 10, just nothing, right? Uh, then, then the next 10, they got a little bit harder for me. Then, then mile marker 23 came, and I was like, I'm going to shut down. I, I can't make it. And then people came up, and I was getting to the point where people were like, yeah, good job. You, you're almost there. You did it. And, and then my cousin, she came up, and she met me at mile marker 26. And she was like, Aaron, you made it. And I'm like, Liz, I still got 0.2 miles left. I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to get there. And my wife and kids, they were there. They met me at the finish line. They were just, like, everyone was just so happy for me. They put this big finisher's medal on me. They told me, great job. And I, had, I got this picture taken with me, and they handed me a pamphlet and said, for 75 bucks, you can have your picture. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> seems seems kind of like I'm in something here. But I thought to myself, as I got alone, and I thought about that and the other things, I was like, you know, I'll be honest with you. I counted the cost for those last five months, and I looked at that plastic metal, and I'm like, was this worth it? I mean, I did all that for a plastic metal. Was, was it really worth it? See, I didn't truly count the cost on what that race day was going to do to my body. And sometimes, I wonder if we don't do the same thing when we choose to follow Christ. Today, I want to ask us a question that really only you can answer. Is Jesus worth following? I want us to give us three examples from the book of John that might help you truly answer the question, is Jesus worth your worship? Yep. So let's go to the book of John that I want us to look at where some said that Jesus was worth their worship and some said he wasn't worth worshiping. The first truth that I want us to see when we read this first block of scripture, and I think I changed this on him, but worshiping Jesus is not convenient. So let's go to John chapter 6, verse 41 through 51. 
All right, it reads, Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, Stop complaining about what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who is, who is sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. So worshiping Jesus, it's not convenient. So I love pizza. And usually once a week, our family will order a pizza that I'll pick up at, uh, after work from Casey's or sometime or some other place. But my favorite, that's when Nikki says she's going to make the pizza. She makes her own crust. She puts a sauce on there, puts some fresh cheese on there, cuts up some fresh veggies. But, you know, that takes time for her to do. So that means the kids are going to have to occupy themselves a little bit. Um, that means that uh, there's going to be a lot more dishes at the end of dinner. There's a lot more sacrifice on her part to put all that work into just making the pizza. I mean, we could have just easily got the pizza from Casey's, but when the time was put in, we enjoyed the fruit of her labor so much more. The people who were following Jesus, they loved parts about his ministry, and they were willing to follow him for those specific things that they thought Jesus could and eventually would offer them. In verse 41, we see they were grumbling about Jesus. In previous chapters, they loved his miracles. They loved when they were fed by him. But what they didn't love was what Jesus proclaimed about himself. They were all like, miracles, yeah, good. We love miracles. Keep doing that. Food, keep feeding us. We love it when you feed us, Jesus. He says that he's the bread of life. They pause, take a look at one another, and then they start to grumble amongst each other. Jesus, the man that can do miracles, that didn't cause him to stumble. It was what he proclaimed about himself that caused him to stumble. Now, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we can look to Jesus more like a genie and going to him with a prayer wish list instead of recognizing that we are actually praying to a sovereign God who knows absolutely what's best for you and I. We need to also pray his will in our lives. I believe that we can come to him for so much more than just some Christmas wish list. We need to pray to him and pray often. We need to spend time with him to get to know him because he does want a relationship with us. I often used to say, well, I know I'm a Christian because, you know, I said a prayer once or, you know, I know Jesus. I know that for sure. Then a pastor challenged me and he said, I don't know if that's true necessarily. He asked me, could I get into the White House tomorrow? If I went up to the gate and I was like, hey, I know Joe Biden. Why don't you let me in? I'd probably say lots of people know him. What makes you so special? Beat it. And, but what if Joe Biden came in and said, hey, I know Aaron Thede. Then, he, then you and I, we could get into the White House if he said he knew you. So does Jesus know who you are? 
the desire of your heart, does the desire of your heart uh, want to be transformed into his likeness so that you can bear his fruit? Or do you just want to continue to check a box? Say, I made it to church on Sunday, and then you fed off of what the world offered you the rest of the week. Or do you want an everlasting joy and peace that only the bread of life can offer? So what exactly does it mean when Jesus says that he's the bread of life? Well, simply put, he means we are not spiritually satisfied unless we know Jesus. We are not satisfied spiritually unless we have Jesus in our lives. Or to be more blunt, we cannot survive spiritually without Jesus. If we were to look down at verse 27, it says that we shouldn't work for the food that perishes. Instead, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. So why do you consider yourself a Christ follower? Is it because you come to church? Is it because you one time said a prayer at youth group camp one time? Is it because you see yourself as just, you know, all-around good person? And do you seek His will above your own? Or are you praying on a regular basis? I know I have to check myself quite often if I'm praying to the Lord in a time that He can, he can fit into my life. Or am I praying to him as my God, whom I will trust, even though stuff isn't going awesome at that moment? Because Jesus, he's more than my convenience. He's my savior, and he chose to die on a cross, and he offered himself as a sacrifice. See, he paid a debt that I could not pay. An evangelist I listened to, he puts it this way. He says, if you can get a grip on this, it'll change everything for you says the Ten Commandments that we have, they're called the moral law. You and I, we broke the law. But Jesus, he came in, he paid the fine. That's what he meant when he was up there on that cross. He said, it is finished. He was saying, paid in full. See, I need to remind myself and we need to remind ourselves of that truth every day. Otherwise, we can very easily start to put our trust in our own experiences with people and start to look to people in a system rather than what Jesus did on the cross for you and I, which was not convenient for him to go and do. So I personally have a few, but I would challenge you to ask yourself, what is the convenience in your life that keeps you from enjoying the bread of life? Is it, is it too much focus on your kids and maybe their travel teams? Is there, is there too much Netflix at the end of a day? Or maybe... It's just an unhealthy relationship at work that you need to cut off. Whatever it is, it probably won't be convenient to give up. But my question, do you want the world to satisfy? Or do you want to be satisfied by the bread of life? So worshiping Jesus, it's not convenient. So the second truth from the book of John that I want us to see is that worshiping Jesus, it brings criticism. So let's flip over to John chapter 12 verse 1 through 6, where we see that worshiping Jesus, it's not always the most popular thing to do. <clears throat> All right, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with them. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. 
wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So worshiping Jesus brings criticism. Mary's worship to Jesus, it cost Mary a pretty penny. As her hair, it was unbound, and which that was unlike Jewish women to do back then. So as Mary worshiped, we see that Judas, he was annoyed at what was going on. His annoyance then turns to anger, so much so that he felt the need he had to say something. Judas criticized Mary about her worship to Jesus, and he also criticized Jesus for accepting Mary's worship to Jesus as her Lord. His heart, it was always in the wrong place to start with. He thought any form of worship was just way over the top. Judas only wanted to worship himself, and when he saw that perfume being poured down, he also saw a lot of money being poured down that he could have had for himself. One of the biggest takeaways, though, I get from this block of scripture is that Mary, she didn't care who was in the room or what people thought about her or what they even, what they even acted out. She was not ashamed of her worship to Jesus. I don't know about you, but standing on my belief and what the Bible says rather than following what the crowd does, that's brought me some criticism. But there have been times in my life that I feel like the Holy Spirit's asked me to do something that I know if I do it, ah, probably going to be criticized. But after I choose to not follow the crowd, or I'm able to ask to pray for that person, man, the joy that I have from following Jesus, that beats the approval of man any day. So I would ask you a question that really challenged me. If you were on trial, do you think you can be convicted of being a Christ follower? Or do you think you would be convicted of following the world's example. So Paul Washer, he's one of my favorite preachers, and he's always challenging his listeners to walk as Jesus walked. But, and I know, that's an impossible thing to do. But I thought he gave a great illustration once on how we should try. He said that back where he grew up, he used to get these really big snows, kind of like a lot around here probably. But he, uh, him and his dad used to go out to the barn and do their chores. And just like all little boys, he wanted to be just like his dad. He'd, he'd wake him up early in the morning and tell him, Paul, boy, it's time to get up. Time to go do your chores with me. And on the way out, he would always try to mat, put his footprint into his dad, or put his foot into his dad's footprint. And he'd try to match his stride. Now you can imagine this little boy, he looked ridiculous. You can imagine that while trying, he fell. But if you scanned out, what you would also see is that the deepest desire in that boy's heart is that he wanted to be just like his dad. He wanted to look just like his dad, even though there are sometimes he didn't look anything like his dad. So I pray today, that's, that's our hearts, as we try to walk as Jesus walks. And yes, you might be criticized, but if you truly want to be a Christ follower, sometimes that means looking ridiculous. Sometimes that means falling down, which I haven't done yet, so that's a plus. 
But look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. So we see that worshiping Jesus isn't convenient and it will bring criticism. But there is one more example from the book of John where we, were, where we are going to read about Peter and a sword pulling problem that he has. And there we find that in our third truth where worshiping Jesus is selfless. We will find this in John chapter 18, verses 4 through 10. All right. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus, the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. As Jesus said, I am he, they all drew back, fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? And again, they replied, Jesus, the Nazarene. I told you that I am he. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I did not lose a single one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? So worshiping Jesus' kingdom, it's selfless. A truth that we should grasp from this is that Peter was using the wrong sword and he was fighting for the wrong kingdom. Peter pulls his sword and he chops off the ear of, chops off the ear of Malchus. See, Peter was misguided and he forgot what Jesus came to die for. He was still trying to fight for his earthly kingdom. Jesus' ministry wasn't for an earthly kingdom. It was for a heavenly kingdom. Jesus being arrested and having to go to the cross to die for our sins, that made Peter stumble. In earlier chapters, he was fine with being the main disciple. He was even fine with being rebuked by Jesus. What he wasn't fine with was Jesus being arrested and going to, die, going to the cross to die for our sins and giving up his earthly kingdom. The ministry of Jesus made Peter stumble. That ministry included the cross. So I do find this contrary to what the American gospel wants to preach to us or what an average American TV preacher would develop, has developed into. So many will imply that if we just choose to be a Christian that automatically we're going to have better jobs, cars, and we should just expect to live a better life in general, to essentially live our best life now, some have said. But that really isn't what the Bible preaches. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he forfeits his own soul? Is there something in your life you'd be willing to give up? Would you be willing to elevate a friend over yourself? Would you be willing to maybe bless a person who's done you wrong? What's an area that we can be different than the world? Maybe it's just giving up golfing with your buddies just to take your wife out on a date. Maybe it's just you give an old friend a call just to check in and you only ask questions, and you only listen. Or maybe you're just kind to someone that you know will never be able to show kindness back towards you. 
whatever it is. Just don't tell them how much you love Jesus. Show them by the way that you live how much you love Jesus and just exactly what the gospel has done in your life. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Now, would someone in your home say that your style of life is to show your love for people or just to talk about your love for those people? And if they wouldn't, are you willing to change? Now, I gave you three examples, and I want to give you one more, which is myself. Because just like when the disciples chose to grumble with each other, I most certainly have chose to grumble about someone. Because it's a lot easier if they were just, uh, if the crowd was just to like me, and I would just to join in on that. See, I've practiced the very convenience of following the world. And just like it says in Romans chapter 7, I practice the very evil that I do not want to be. And, just like Judas, I've criticized someone else worshiping. I've been to worship events where, you know, people are uh, crying too much for some reason or they're on their knees when everyone else was, you know, clearly standing. Their worship to Jesus for what he did on the cross and in their lives, that caused me to stumble. And finally, just like Peter, man, I too can pull a sword. For instance, there was this Vikings game, and it's just not a great environment for me to be in anyways, but just a bunch of like-minded people supporting bad behavior. But So I get up there, and the game starts, and the Vikings, they score right away, right? And this is not common. And so we all get up, and we are, we are very excited about this. And so, but, but everyone's standing and cheering except for this one guy. He taps me on the shoulder and says, sit down. I'm like, oh. I'm sorry. So I sat down. thought that was kind of weird. And so the Vikings, they almost score immediately after that. And we all stand up and cheer, and this is very not common, like I said. And they, they, the guy taps me on the shoulder immediately and tells me he can't see. i got to sit down. I'm like, this is my chair the last time I checked. This is what I should be doing. And so then it goes and happens again. And the Vikings score again. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, but this time, I'm ready for this guy to tap me on the shoulder. I want you to tap me on the shoulder this time. <laughs> so, so sure enough, I get up and I, I cheer and he taps me on the shoulder. And I want what I do. Yank that sword out and I chopped his ear off. Because you know what? I will feel justified. And I will say what I want and worse yet, I won't worry about my example of what I'm supposed to be. And I won't worry about who I hurt while doing it. Because just like Peter, I can be selfish. Because, you know, I want to protect my kingdom. I want people to respect me. See, I can get so involved with my kingdom that I forget what Jesus' ministry has actually called me to do. And that's to what? It's to love God, to love people. So why be so real? tell you about this sinful side that's in me. And believe me, that was just a taste. Because I feel if I'm not real, and I just tell you how to be a better version of yourself, or I give you some three-step program on how to not be like Judas, I'm pretty sure all I'd be doing then is telling you how to be your own savior. And then maybe sprinkle a little Jesus on top of that to make your life seem more awesome. Instead, 
More than anything, I want us to see ourselves as broken and sinful. More than anything, I want us to see, see ourselves as people we need saving. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, all have fallen short of the God's glory. I want you to know that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. He willingly went to that cross, dying a sinner's death, that you and I, we deserved that. But then he rose on the third day, proving to everyone that Jesus' life and the sacrifice that he did, it was perfect before a holy God. Because if it wasn't a perfect sacrifice, he wouldn't have rose from the dead. But it was. And when he did, he defeats death, hell, and the grave. What I want you to say is that our only hope is to have Jesus. And by accepting God's free gift of salvation through Christ, he will give us a spirit, which is the only way to do the ministry that Christ has called us to. And that's to what? It's to love God and love his people. So simply put, it's only by preaching the gospel to myself all day and every day that makes the inconveniences of serving Jesus, the criticism that you and I are going to face when we choose Christ over the ways of this world, and finally, the denying of ourselves, taking up our cross, that will make this life seem like nothing compared to the reality of living with Christ eternally. I want to close not with my words, but with the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3. He said, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So, I'll be honest, I never trained for another marathon again. <laughs> the cost, it was just too much for me. But, the one thing that I will never let go of is following Jesus, because I have counted that cost. And no matter what happens, as far as my family and I, I choose today who I'm going to serve. Because Jesus, yep, <laughs> he's more than some plastic metal at the end of my race. He's my savior, and he absolutely is worth my worship. So Father, I love you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for all this... The, the graciousness of, this, of these people that, that came to listen to me uh, to speak today. Lord, I, uh, I thank you for uh, just your spirit coming today. It is only by your spirit that I was able to come up and, and deliver not my words, but the words that you want people to hear. I pray, Lord, that they heard that today. I pray, Lord, that as their day just goes out, I pray, Lord, that you would bless these people Thank you for the blessing they've been to me. And I pray that you would give them a, just a double portion of blessing today. It's going to be a beautiful day out. And I pray, Lord, that they would absolutely be blessed by that. That the goodness of who you are would just 
come upon them and that they would find that you are absolutely worth our worship. We thank you for this. It's in Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.